Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. We are creeping and crawling towards another weekend of college football. We actually have a Friday game in the Pac-12 this week, but of course, USC and Utah will face off in the Coliseum Saturday at 5 p.m. And I'm here with Keely Yor to talk all about that. Follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name. She's sitting right next to me. Keely, how you doing today? Hello, hello, Ryan. I'm doing well. Glad to be back on the podcast with you. Haven't chatted with you about USC football in a, a little bit. It's been a little while. So we yeah. gotta get back. We gotta get back at it. And uh we're gonna do that today. And we got tunnel vision tonight. So we got uh, a lot of talking today. A lot of talking to get to. Um we got to talk. I did a bunch of Utah radio. Someone asked me, like, why are you doing so much Utah radio? Well, there's a lot of markets. Like if you play Washington. Seattle's like a pro town. It's like LA. Like it's just pro. Yeah. Utah is, you know, they talk about BYU. They talk about the Utes. It's a big college football town. Some jazz. Or yeah. I mean, state, I would say. Yeah. So like Salt Lake City um, on their stations, you know, multiple times. So uh, nice. That's it, a good, it's a good one. Nice. Even like, even like Colorado, like Denver's more of a pro market. Yeah. Utah's always been pretty fun to, to talk about matchups with. Yeah. Um, did Bill Riley show this morning. He's so great. he's awesome. We'll hopefully see him. Uh, at the Coliseum, we talked about that a little bit. But uh, if you guys want to drop us any questions, you know, any kind of concerns, what you want us to talk about, you can do that a number of different ways. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address if you'd rather email us. You can also call or text us at 424-254-9141. Hopefully there's no emergency podcast after this game, Keely. I, you know, listening to like 20 voicemails at 2 in the morning is not... Not fun. You just summoned that, but yeah, sure. Let's hope not. Uh, see, but at this point, what would constitute as an emergency? Anything, really? I, yeah, I mean, like losing a game at home, like that's not an emergency anymore. No, it would be the third of the season. <laughs> Even the last one probably was an emergency, but but I got Gerard on, so that was good. That in itself is an emergency, yeah. getting Gerard on. <laughs> we, got, we got him on. That was a, a pretty good one. Uh, but also, you can also get a hold of us. You can ask a question this way, but we just want to get hear what you have to say. And have a little five-star next to it. You know, the five-star <laughs> reviews on the Apple Podcasting app. And we got an incentive for you. The best one each week, we're going to send a Trader Joe's gift card for $50. So, yes, which is great. <laughs> it's the noise. Boop, boop. I just came from Trader Joe's, Keely. Nice. Uh, my trunk is runneth over with Trader Joe's product. Nice. Uh, yes, because we're having, you know, a little... Tailgate gathering for all the VIP members of uscfootball.com. So, Ayo. I know. So come on out. Uh, Christmas Tree Lane. We posted the information about the tailgate on the Peristyle. Keely will be there. Shotgun. Chris Trevino. Uh, lots of lots of snacks and drinks. Um, Just come for the snacks alone. The snacks are good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I bought some cool cookies. And, cool uh, cookies. Yeah, so thanks to Trader Joe's. They sent me some gift cards to pick up stuff for the tailgate. Last time, they just, like, handed me a whole bunch of stuff. It was way too much food, by the way. So, like, for the – it was a tailgate for, like, a million maybe. It would have been okay. But um, this is a more reasonable amount of food. Okay. Because uh, we got to go into the Coliseum. And we do. We can't, like, stay there to, to the bitter end. But uh, I think everyone had a good time at the last tailgate. So hopefully people come out again. 
but thanks to Trader Joe's for being an amazing sponsor. Bought some uh, some of my favorite, you know, the White Claws that are like my favorite flavor pack. I only bought those, so if people like other flavors, sorry, <laughs> I bought my favorite. So, okay, even though I can't really drink, but like whatever works. I'm, for I'm you. telling you, like, these are the the flavor pack number three for the White Claws. You can get them at Trader Which Joe's. Which one is that one? So it's like watermelon, raspberry. It's all a good one. There's no like lime or lemon and stuff. Uh, I forget what the other strawberry. All the good ones. Yeah, like the, the good, not, the good, not berry very descriptive, ones. but okay. Yeah, well, the ones that I like. I don't. You know, sure. Some of the ones. That tells me nothing, but sure, that's yeah. great. White Claw flavor pack number three. So check that out. And Trader Joe's has got piles of them. So. Nice. And I got some got some wine for the house. You know, okay. you got to have some house wine. House wine from Trader Joe's. Uh, but what do we got uh, reviews? Why? We have a couple like. new reviews. Uh, one is from Marvels Twenty Eight, who gave us five stars and said, "Best USC football coverage. Ryan and his team are the best. They have the best podcast and content about USC football. Thank you for that." And then we got one from Peter, who said, uh, five stars, awesome coverage. Ryan and the team have really improved their game each and every season. Hoping our Trojans follow suit." Uh, mahalo for all you do fight on peter 8789 so i believe he's hawaiian i like i like the but. hawaiian stuff should we send a Hawaii? we're not done yet we have oh. more oh okay yes and then we have um joe who left us five stars and said simply the best in a word this is the best all caps usc podcast available the entire team including trevino adds value and insight into the happenings at usc it's been refreshing to watch and listen to keely mature from an intern to an integral team member the content is first class and the entire team calls it like they see it must listen for any usc supporter it's good too, but he mentions Chris Trevino, so I don't know if he just <laughs> disqualified. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know which one. Do you I like don't feel like I can weigh in on this one because you were like I was. The last I was complimented, one. so it's kind of biased. We'll go with that one. Yeah, no, well, what about the Mahalo? I like that one too. This is horrible. We don't. <laughs> we're not very decisive yeah. about this. It's hard. Um, what if we give them both one? Yeah. What you guys both write us in. Right. Uh, send me an email, Ryan at uscfootball.com. And uh, we'll take care of you with Boom. the Trader Joe's gift card. Because we didn't give away one last week. Yeah, there we go. See? We didn't do the show. Boom, yeah, boom, perfect. boom, boom. Uh, so who are, those, who are the reviews from again? Um, I already clicked out, but I believe <laughs> one is Peter. Yes. No. Yeah, Peter and Joe. Okay, Peter Shout and Joe. Shout out to Peter and Joe. Uh, shoot me an email with your address, and I will send you snail mail, a Trader Joe's gift snail card mail. for 50 bucks. And you can go out and buy some cool stuff like nice. I did today. Like my trunk is literally full of Trader Joe stuff. Nice. Uh, good stuff. Okay. Um, well, Keely. Yes. Interesting week uh, of practice. Indeed. Um, we saw some Jackson Dart. We did for the first time. He had pads on, like yeah. on his shoulders. Yeah. It wasn't like running around, like, you know, making plays, but. No, yeah. That was a little misleading because once you say he's back, people are like, oh my God, he's running the second team offense. So was no. he starting? Like, you know, no, no. Obviously, he just took the first team reps in practice, right? No, that didn't. No, happen. no, no. This was the first time we saw him in full pads, basically, since he tore his meniscus at Washington State. Um, he's still gimpy. He has, uh, people are calling it a robo leg because he has such a, a thick brace on his knee. Um, still can't do any planting or cutting. He's only doing like light throws during the routes on air portion of practice so basically the wide receivers or any of the receivers will run routes without being covered and, and it's kind of just a, like a lob a little bit um so yeah you're like not, we saw mohassan throwing those we saw graham harrell throwing those you're so. not like planting your leg you're yes. not dropping back you're not doing anything like that so he's getting some throws in but when there's any type of like actual movement involved he's just uh watching or he's on a trainer's table getting ice so uh dante williams said this week that he's not uh medically cleared yet 
still has a ways to go. I mean, some I, it's some people are like, He's oh, maybe, week, right? maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe he could come back for Notre Dame, and still, I don't know. It just doesn't look like he can move that knee very well. And given the state of everything, I don't think it's worth rushing back. Now, I I can tell and have heard from the dark camp they're really trying to get him back as fast as possible and yes. that was the decision to have the meniscus surgery I mean, on he that had it Tuesday. right away he had it right away yeah. yeah so they are trying to rush him back and that i think that just speaks to the competitor that that he is but i think in the grand scheme of things it would make more sense to just really make sure that knee heals properly so that you're not dealing with this later down the road or when you are the guy, you know, when Keen Slovis is gone and you're fighting for that starting spot or whatever, rather than trying to play in this season when, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't really matter. As yeah, you don't want to Porter Gust in this thing. Yeah, right? compared to your knee health in the long run, you know. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you have to balance being a competitor versus um, being healthy. And that's something that overall USC has struggled with with its star players. You yes. know, like you mentioned, Porter Gustin, Juju Smith Schuster, they rush guys back. No, I don't think they specifically rush them back on their own prerogative. I think a lot of the players are competitive and want to come back, but I think it's up to the program to be to look at the big picture and say, hey, it's smarter for you and for us in the long run if you just really take your time in rehab rather than rushing back for, for what, you know? So I get it. He's a competitor, but you just hope just for him that he's not pushing it too much. Yeah, no, completely makes sense there. Um, we'll see uh, what happens. I, I think there's a chance with this weekend and then the bye week, you know, it'll be two weeks or whatever, you know, heading into Notre Dame and he could make the trip and uh, potentially be the backup again. But I don't know, like, I, like you said, you don't want to rush anything and there's no reason, you know, you're the backup quarterback. Like there's no, yeah, really it's not rush. like he's, he's w- the doors open to be a starter, you know, right. for all we know, Keaton is the starter and he's just rushing back to be the backup. Now, if USC follows the suit and gets thumped at home by a PAC 12 opponent, then there's going to be like, hey, you know, you got to go to the future. You got to go to the next guy. Is is Jackson Dart ready? You know, they were called for Miller Moss. Like, you yeah, know, well, so. I, yeah, and I don't agree with the calls for Miller Moss, considering that he hasn't actually played football in two years, and he's still a true freshman. Like, he handed the ball off once. He handed the ball off once, <laughs> yes, but there's a lot more that goes into it, um, and it's just unfortunate that people are just writing off, you know, the the experience that Keaton Slovis has in that sense. But yeah, we've seen Dante Williams. He's very willing to change things up when things need changing. We saw that this week in practice um, for the 12 penalties that USC got on uh, Saturday against Colorado. The entire program had to run 12 sprints after practice. We didn't get to see it, unfortunately, which I wish we could have because that's always interesting to see. But apparently even Chief of Staff Brandon Sosno ran the sprints. I would pay to see that. <laughs> so apparently it was a whole like team bonding program. Like It was still a punishment, but it was kind of a bonding thing in a sense just because you know, you're all suffering together. Um, and then on Wednesday, you know, the team had its normal warm-ups. You know, Wednesdays are a little flat to begin with just because – um, the parents aren't there. It's kind of just, I don't know, business as usual, but Dante Williams was not impressed or pleased with how the team came out. And, and right after warmups finished, he called everyone together, staffers, uh, basically the program who's on the field and tore into them basically saying like, you're flat as F like you guys like need Damn. to act like, yeah, he's calling out the leaders of the team to lead better, stuff like that. So they really pumped it up. And the interesting thing too, is that we heard from the defensive players after Wednesday's practice that they needed that, you know, they need someone to cut, call them out 
on their their BS. You know, they need someone to um, to do that, and that's what we've been saying for years, Ryan. I feel like like there's a reason. No one was calling them out. There's a reason why a coach is a coach. It's your your analogy you use all the time, Ryan, about like you go to your uncle's house and you have a ton of candy all the time. It's fun in the beginning, but then you're you'd feel awful, yeah. you know? <laughs> right. It's 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 like that where there needs to be discipline, there needs to be accountability. And to Dante's part, he's been checking off the easy things that you can check off as a interim head coach, you know, full pads Tuesday, Wednesday changing up the routine not being afraid to do that and he even talked about it today in the thursday morning press conference uh they're changing their their home uh routine and he said how in uh normal home schedule they will do a walkthrough in the coliseum come back shower have a little bit of off time and then go to the buses and then go um and then do a walkthrough in the morning usually in the lobby of the hotel and then go to the the coliseum and he said, you know, I felt like I feel like we're more locked in on the road. So we're mimicking what we do on the road. So they're going to do a walkthrough, take a shower at uh, JMC and then bus over to the hotel and eat at the hotel, do all that stuff. And then they're actually going to go and do a walkthrough at a high school in the morning um, instead of just trying to do it in the lobby. So they're changing things up. And that was interesting, considering we all ha- we had also heard from players following Wednesday's practice because we were asking, you know, what's the difference? Why are you just laying eggs at home. at home at the Coliseum? And the sentiment we heard was that, you know, we just seem more locked in. We seem more focused. And so to hear Dante say how he's changing things as well, I thought was interesting. So, I mean, props to Dante doing everything he can. And I mean, in light of what he said on Trojans Live on Monday, his father passed away last week. Yeah, unfortunately. Unbelievable just strength to be able to handle just a huge transition and also have something devastating like that happen. I mean, it's just it's very admirable. And, you know, he's he's doing the best he can. And he talked about even uh, when he first took over the job, he doesn't have that much time. You know, he's, he's not having that much time. And then to have something like that happen, just that's just so much to process. So, yeah, I mean, that takes a, that's normally, you know, your father passed away. That's taking a lot of your time, you know? Yeah. Had yeah. a friend of mine, her father passed away recently, and it was like consuming her. Like she basically stopped working, you know. And yeah, I mean, he doesn't have that option right no, now. No, I mean the fact that he's still pushing through, and the fact that we weren't able to detect that something that serious had happened from him and his demeanor is is just insane. I mean, and and he mentioned after Tuesday's practice that part of the reason why he made the move from Oregon to USC was because he got to be closer to home and, yeah. and be with his his father. So he thanked uh, Mike Bone, Brandon Sosna, Clay Hilton for giving him the opportunity to be closer with his dad in the, in the last years of his life. But still, the timing is just unreal. And so obviously our hearts and our condolences go out to the Williams family. But just a, a hectic, crazy time for, for Dante Williams and his family. That very, very crazy. And uh, we, like I said, prayers going out to his family. I mean, big reason he came by, you know, his dad was, was struggling health wise and he could be closer to him for a while. So uh, good for him. That was kind of a little uh, shotgun rant for you. There was a lot I, of, there was I, a lot of topics on This there. is what happens when we don't do tunnel vision. I just like went, went for it. I just had a lot to you say. Had a lot to th- yeah, it's cool. Well, one of the things you mentioned, and it's funny, and this is always like a common theme for me. That he came in and was like, oh, we're going to do full pads on Wednesday. It's it's take care of the low-hanging fruit. Oh, yeah. And we saw the same thing with Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna. Yeah. We're going to see the same thing with George Klyavkov at the Pac-12. When you have horrible leadership, they make a lot of bad decisions. So then you get someone that's half-decent, yeah. maybe good, 
Maybe great. I don't know, but better than suck. <laughs> you know, it's like better than butt. Better than oh my god! Speaking of which, I have a lot of inquiries that I need to follow up with you on Stanford status as butt. Oh, we'll do. Yeah, we'll get. To we'll that get to that. Second. I just we'll, want to say for sure. Yeah, you know, I talked about it in the podcast of champions, but no pun intended. Um, yeah, like <laughs> so. You have this poor. If you're following a very poor leader, Larry Scott was awful. You know, Pat Hayden, Lynn Swan, awful. Clay Alden, love him as a person, awful head coach. Right. So. You could come in and fix things and just do like, oh, by the way, why don't we have someone that focuses on athletic fields cut the grass for our practice field instead of the guy that cuts the library grass? Oh, why don't we move the uh, the, the FCS school that we had scheduled, we've never scheduled ever, yeah. to somebody else and figure that out? I mean, just the kind of things that you're like, obviously, duh, we should do that. And Dante Williams could come in and you're like, you know, the team's not being very tough. Well, let's go an extra day of full pads, whatever it is. Yeah. You just kind of do those things. So at least for someone that's never been a head coach, there's things that if they put you or me at the head coaching position, we would have probably made those moves too, you know? Yeah, just by being around the program. Yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah, they need to do this. Like you got to do some different stuff, um, especially the routine. And it was like six years of routine that would never change, you know? Yeah. And that you had to change something like literally just flipping a switch and just do the opposite of that, 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 and that things could probably get better. Not even, not even know what the terms are. Don't even know what they are. Just like, just do that different, that different, that different. And it's probably going to be better than what you had. So it's set up. I think it was set up well for Dante Williams to at least make an impact, like kind of right away. Well, that was what was refreshing hearing from him this morning. Just saying like, we'll change whatever needs to be changed in order to make our team better. And that's not something we heard for the last six years. It was like, no, our routine is good. Routine helps us. It, you know, that was just something yeah. we kept hearing even when the results We had a good game plan. Like, no, you didn't. Yeah. So just, <laughs> I mean, honestly, just hearing something different in that sense is, is refreshing to report on. So, I mean, even, you know, just saying, hey, Dante Williams called out the team at the start of practice. It's refreshing to report on because it was just so much of the same over and over and over again. And I know Shotgun says this all the time, but when you have 18 to 23-year-olds, 30, if you're including Ben Griffiths, you got to change things up. You know, you got to make things different when things aren't working. And Dante Williams seems very willing to do that. So that's at least uh, a credit to him. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, see, it doesn't seem like that's that difficult to do, but it apparently is because we just haven't seen much of it. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. A uh, little other news stuff. Uh, when I was there Tuesday, I saw Max Williams um, yeah. going through some drills. Uh, in pads. That's um, not some of the... necessarily new. We saw that last week as well. But oh, we he did it? Okay. It. Yeah. But he, I mean, he's been rehabbing really hard. I made yeah. it, I turned to Chris yesterday during practice and I said, he just looks too good for someone who tore their ACL a couple months ago. Like he is just a rehab warrior. And so, I mean, it kind of sounds like they're trying to get him back before the end of the season, which would be interesting. That would be interesting. But he's moving really well. Yeah, it's one of those guys, like sometimes people are rehabbing and you're sort of out of sight, out of mind. You don't really see what they're doing or they're maybe on rehab island. But like he was front and center doing whatever he was doing all the time, like yeah. getting one on one care, like doing a lot of planting and cutting and, you know, just really trying to push his knee as much as he could. You know, I guess medically the, how much you would want. But to see him kind of going through some of the DB lines, um, that was great to see. I mean, he's just a yeah. kid that's oh, like. Yeah. USC, okay, you recruit dudes that are like, and I don't think they, like some of the, I think it was Ronnie Bradford, like didn't really want, you know, Max Williams. He wasn't the tallest guy or whatever, but sometimes you just have to get dudes that are like, you can tell they're just tough as nails, love football. All hard. Play. Like, yeah. yeah. And like, you're, you know, I, I was, I was listening to one podcast. I forget what it was. I think it was a, 
something about like Luke Fickle when he uh, recruited like James Laurinaitis to Ohio State, who wasn't like highly ranked, but the guy's like he was a wrestler. He's just like tough, you know, just like built of sinew and muscle, and you're just like, okay, get, we'll make him a great football player. Obviously, he you know ends up being a great football player. Uh, I forget where I heard. I've listened to so many podcasts lately. I forget where I heard that one. Um, but you want a guy, and that's who Max Williams was, or someone that just kind of grew up around USC, loved it. Yeah. And you're like, okay, he's not the tallest DB in the world, but man, he just makes plays all the time. Like he's a football yeah. player. Yeah. Get him out. There. And I mean, the fact that he gets hurt and you just see how hard he, just a warrior there. Like, yeah. then you're like, okay. We recruited the right guy. You want that guy. Well, I, I forgot who said it, but someone on the defensive staff said, if I could have a whole team of Max Williams, I would have them. You know, that's a credit oh, wow, to just yeah. how he how hard he plays, how hard he rehabs. I mean, like he the work ethic is there. And so obviously he's a guy you root for just as someone who watches practice and watches guys work. And yeah, so we'll see. It's, it looks like he's getting closer. Yeah, yeah. So good. I mean, good kid. We, we hope to see him back here at some point. Um, what's his red shirt? Do you know off the red shirt Not status off the top of, top of my, my head? head? I don't no. know. Especially with the whole COVID shirts. Yeah. So last year doesn't count. But like, if he came back, it would probably be the end. He's of the a season redshirt anyway. sophomore. So he redshirted once. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so you don't need to worry about that. But um, all right. Do you want to? I got some advanced stat stuff. But do you want to do the butt stuff? So what are you hearing? <laughs> The worst phrase you've ever said on this podcast. Are you sure? Because I've said a lot of weird. Yeah, stuff. that was pretty bad. Um, yeah. So Stanford beats Oregon. True. A little, little uh, questionable calls and whatnot. Granted, this was during I was getting ready for Colorado, so couldn't see the whole yeah. game. But untimed down at the end on a yeah. kind of bogus holding call. You but. have infamously said mm. that Stanford is butt. Yeah. And now people want me to call you out for it and get your thoughts. Oh, I, I've done that uh, on the podcast of champions. Yeah, plug, but you, check it out. You said it on this podcast. I have said it on this podcast too. Um, I would say, first of all, my picks against the spread this year, which are normally very good, have been butt. Like, this is like weird COVID year hangover. It's like a nine year old vocabulary. They're bad. Okay. Okay. Just terrible. Like from week to week, I've been pretty good at USC. You're undefeated picking USC. Yes, and I'm so stressed for this week. The line is three. It's three points, yeah. And USC, Utah usually is like a four point situation. Yeah, either way, yeah. (laughs) I think I'm three and two picking USC. So I've done all right picking USC. But like, there's just, you know, oh, Stanford's good. They're bad. They're, you know, the problem is the entire Pac 12 isn't good. And we know two things about the Pac 12 we know Arizona's awful yes and we know colorado's awful and i did pick those teams to be like one and ten and two like people were mad or 111 i think arizona had 111 and i'm not gonna get there i don't think they're gonna get there one win i think i had colorado like two and ten but i also had stanford that that bad too and they're certainly not anywhere near as bad uh, as i thought but they're not i don't think they're good even rj you know abadia who's covered Stanford for a long time i asked him straight up and he's like no i don't think they're good and, yeah um who's Who's the best quarterback in the Conference of Champions? Like, who's good? Yeah. Like, yeah. Is it Jaden Daniels? Like, he looked better, but he's only played like one team. Like, they they really had a there's no tomato can schedule. Like, yeah. DTR. Like, he could go away. Like, I like Chance Nolan up at Oregon State, but he threw for 48 yards against Washington. Uh, I mean, Keen Slovis has had three pick games. Like, is he still the best quarterback? Like, there's not like two, three, four elite quarterbacks in the Pac-12. And I think when you don't have that, 
when the Pac-12 is good, usually you got like there's a whole bunch of elite quarterbacks, and we're not seeing that right now. Oregon, you know, it's an amazing win to get that win over Ohio State at the shoe. Like, yeah, they've looked. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to say it again. They've looked <laughs> bad. Like they've looked really bad since yeah. then. Uh, I mean, Washington's offense is like painful sometimes, you know, like not like yeah. Colorado painful. Yeah. They got Sean McGrew running the football now. Bosco kid. He's like five, three and a half or whatever, but like awesome to watch him run. He did a lot of wildcat stuff. If you watch Washington, um, they're better now, but like John Donovan's just a horrible offensive coordinator. I mean, Cal, oh my God, how bad are they? Like, <laughs> I love Chase Garbers. Like it's, it's your guy. They're Awful. Like they scored six points against Washington State. Like, do you think Wilcox is on the hot seat? Oh yeah. I mean, I don't see him. I mean, but the problem is, like, he's probably got eight, ten million dollar buyout. Like, do the people even care at Berkeley, like, to get rid of him. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's but but they what who they get? Uh, I forget their their offensive coordinator. He's awful. Um, you know, it's just yeah. Like Stanford probably wouldn't have won if there was like ten. One of ten things happen, you know, like Joe Moorhead doesn't get surgery. Yeah, yeah. Like they don't get this weird holding call at the end of the game for untimed down. Yeah. Uh, Verdell goes out with an injury. But you know. then you can argue, like, if you're a good enough team to beat Ohio State on the road, you shouldn't even put yourself in that position. Yeah, but that's the problem. No one is good enough to like. No one is good enough to overcome like pretty much any adversity. Like, sure, sure. If Stanford's like someone gets a head cold, you know, like <laughs> they're like, oh, there's like half the guys got the flu on the offensive line. They're gonna lose. Like, there's. They're, the margins of error are just so small because the Pac-12 is pretty much hot garbage. It's just not bad. It's bad. And so yes. is Stanford, but they are not, but they are they are a competent team. Are you reversing your position? No, no. Right I'm, yeah, 100% I'm wrong. On okay. That. Like, wow. But they're not good. You heard like, it here first, folks. But they're not good. Like they, they're like better than, like it's everything else dropped. I thought Stanford would drop. I think they've dropped, but they're not like super low. Other teams like Cal, like Colorado, holy crap! Low. I mean, I called that one, and people were giving giving me a lot of crap because they were four and two last year. They're yeah. like, oh look, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, they're 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 going to be awful. And I I nailed that one. Like they are bad. Yes, um, their offense. Who you know the most points against a, a power five opponent or you know or a, you know FBS opponent. 14 against USC. Like, that's the most points. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, no, I overall. The biggest pass play of the season came against USC. Like, yeah. They haven't, the only teams that have scored less than them are like Army and Navy, I believe. It's, it's crazy. I mean, and like the points per, like, if you look at advanced stats for like, they are just. It's bad. It's bad. So for all the, the Stanford, like, people want to like harp on that. Like, hey, I told you Arizona, I told you Colorado. I thought Stanford would be closer to them, and they are not. Uh, they are closer to the top of the conference than the bottom, but the problem is the top of the conference has dropped down too. There's just not that much good there. Okay. Um, I heard you had some uh, some stats for us, yeah, Mr. So Abraham. I'm not a huge like as a former engineer mm-hmm. with an engineer brain. You would think that I would like be just all over the advanced stats. Stuff. You would think so. And it's like some of the like. I, I don't know if it's just the people that do it because I feel like taking shots. Well, no, I mean I like Bill Connolly. Yeah, um, Bill C. I started listening to the the Sharp College Football guys. Uh, uh, they they do the Beta Rank. I like them, but sometimes when people like try to speak in advanced stats language, it's like they just kind of assume that you're all consumed by this stuff, and you're just start acronyms going off the wind. You know, just all over the place. I'm like. Can you like 
tell me what this means first. And <laughs> even some of the explanation stuff, like if you're like, what does this mean? And it's not, I mean, it just seems like it's very like, and I'm, you know, I, w- I studied a lot of calculus over the years. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. You know, like I've, I've moved on from that part okay. of my life. Okay. Um, but there's some interesting things there. I like, there's certain stats I like. I what, There was like a stuff rate or something where it's like, uh, you know, if you're coming through, it's more of like an offensive line stat. So like the first four yards of a running back's rush, they'll give, they'll give credit to the offensive line. So like if there's 10 rushes from the running back and he goes for like five, six, seven, yeah. four, three, you know, then the offensive line is doing their job. But if he goes like five minus one, six, zero, like the stuff rate's going to be on the offensive line. And so it's like, how often is that going on? But anyway, I, I'm not going through any like super crazy stuff. By the way, uh, Beta Rank has Colorado as the 114th uh, team in the country, offensively 125th. Yeah, so they are... They are really bad. The, by far the worst uh, offense in the in the Pac-12. So in that sense, Colorado was what the doctor ordered for USC to yeah. kind of like bounce back. But I don't think you take much away from that game. True. And uh, the beta ranks, they actually kind of rank the schedule. So I'll go. So I'll do the beta rank stuff first. So this is Sharp College Football. You can Google it. Um, so as a team, they have USC ranked 45th in the country. So number 45. Okay. Uh, but fifth in the Pac-12. Utah, they're not as high on, 61st, 61st in the country and 8th in the Pac-12. Um, but if you look at the overall schedule, USC has the last-ranked schedule in the Pac-12. So, like, they're, you know, because San Jose State's in the hundreds. Yeah. Uh, Washington State's, I think, in the hundreds. You know, Colorado's in the hundreds. So. I mean, we thought USC would come into this, to the bye week, undefeated. Yeah. Which is just crazy. The two teams they lost to are actually better than people thought, but the teams that they've beat are all yeah. pretty awful. Like yeah. you thought San Jose state might be pretty good and they're not uh, Utah's schedule was ranked eighth and they've only played four games. So I think a lot of these numbers start to b- make more sense, like a few more games into the season, but offensively uh, USC is a lot better than Utah 26th and third in the pack 12 and Utah 61st and sixth in the pack 12 in general, Utah is a better running team. USC is a better passing team. It's like, duh. Okay, that makes sense. You know, like, duh. there's nothing like uh, profound there. Defensively, USC is pretty bad. Uh, 94th in the country, Oof. according to Beta Rank, and ninth in the Pac 12. Utah's middle of the pack, 63rd. What is this based on, though? And fifth. So there, you can Google, like, there's a, a big, long explanation and stuff. But it, okay. so they take, like, you know, they rate all the offenses, all the defenses. There's a lot of, I mean, I like that. I mean, when you listen to the guy, uh, it sounds like he knows what he's talking about and stuff. And it's a different approach. If okay. you build and we'll, I'll go over Bill Conley's stuff in a bit. So basically it's what you said. You don't like reading. I like someone else doing it. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. And I'll, I could get into it, but I just need someone to be like, just, you got to start the lay person. Like I, as a former engineer, sometimes we like a lot of times engineers aren't the best like public speakers. Yeah. And w- part of my job as an application engineer is I would give presentations and demos and things. You were like, the unicorn. I would get up in front of people and you had to like, and sometimes you would hear engineers talk and it was like, it was like open up a novel and starting on page 85 and just start reading. You're like, can you give me some context of what's going on here? Like they just jump right in. Okay. And I feel like some of the yes, the, the yes. advanced stuff is just like, blah, 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 blah. like, okay, hold on. Big, give me big picture first and then show me what the, yes. the, the, yes. the nuts and bolts are. Okay. Um, for defense, USC is 94th, 9th, Utah 63rd, 5th. Utah is better against the pass 
so they have a better secondary. Um, that's you know USC's strength, and USC's been uh, a little bit better against the run, but they're kind of bad at at everything. <laughs> so, um, I mean, there's some bigger numbers in there, like Oregon State's of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, special teams wise, they have USC as seventh in the country, number one in the Pac-12. Look at that. And Utah, who's normally good at special teams, pretty good. They're not good. Okay. Uh, they're tenth in the Pac-12. 38th in the country. But overall, if you look at all their numbers, they have USC as an almost five-point favorite, 4.84 favorite over Utah. So according to BetaRank, that spreads three, you should take USC because they think USC is actual. His numbers show USC is a little bit bigger favorite than what the actual spread is. Okay. Good to um, know. Yeah. Uh, look at the S&P, SP Plus. It used to be S&P Plus. I know. It was SP one of the plus. and. That's Bill Connolly. So this is a ESPN Plus uh, deal. It's weird. His rankings are completely different. Um, so they use different formulas, different you know um, criteria. And again, a few more games in the season. The more data you have, the better you know the the better of a model it's going to be. But um, USC he has is the twenty third best team in the country. I'm sorry, Utah is the twenty third best team in the country. So Utah higher than USC. Okay. Um, they have they have the 56th ranked offense, the 10th ranked defense, and the 121st special team. So uh, I think it makes sense where they have Utah's you know offense. Um, you know, used to, well, Baderang kind of has Utah's offense and defense similar, like middle of the road. Uh, SP Plus has USC's, I mean Utah's uh, defense ranked pretty high. So okay, um, you know. We'll see. The 10th in the country and 56 overall in offense. For USC, they have the 34th ranked team in the country. So a little bit below. And there's, I think, UCLA and Oregon are all in between USC and Utah, like in the like high 20s, low 30s. Um, USC's offense is 14th in the country. The defense is 62nd. So he has the defense a little bit better, but still not very good. And he has the, the special teams 30th in the country. So, you know, upper upper half. So both both rankings seem to think USC has pretty good special teams and Utah's is not very good, which is kind of uh, kind of weird. His so he puts his model out though to pick this the game score. Yeah, get this. So he has USC at twenty seven point two two points and Utah at twenty seven point two one points. Oh, so within point oh one of each other. So Bill Connolly says take the points because he, he calls this an actual coin flip. Wow. So it depends which ranking you like. Oh, no. I know. This is not good for my future pick. Um, And the FPI, which is also like an ESPN thing, they have USC yeah. as a 61.9% favorite in this one. And with a, th- a three-point uh, three line. So I think two of them would say USC is more than a three-point favorite. So Okay. I'm picking USC in this one anyway. We got to get your picks on it because we put them all together. You you got undefeated streak on the line. I know. So. I I hate being undefeated. So much pressure. You hate it? Is this what the Pete Carroll teams felt? <laughs> no, because they, no, they wouldn't cover spreads a lot. They would. They no, would, no. I'm just saying when they had their, their oh, undefe- like the 34 game yeah. winning streak. You're like, so stressful. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't know how much you get out out of that stuff, but uh, yeah, it's. You know, some of this stuff's kind of interesting. First of all, proud of you for doing work before the podcast. I know that's you like that? not your thing, so well done. <laughs> just like come in and just... Yeah, I was very surprised, but well done. Uh, no, you... Uh, what I'm curious about is you mentioned to Dante Williams this morning. In 2019, 
That was the Matt Fink YOLO ball game. Basically, Utah was very stubborn, wanted to play USC and man the whole time. Obviously, when you play USC man, wide receivers went out because they're just more talented. Do you think that's gonna we're gonna see that from Kyle Whittingham again? You know, that's we and and Dante. I asked him that, and Dante Williams said we've seen some games where they played more zone, others when they played more man. The fact that USC doesn't have four NFL wide receivers like they did. In that Matt Fink game, like, yeah, yeah, because you had Michael Pittman, you had Alman Ross St. Brown, yep, you had Tyler Vaughn's, and you had a young Drake London, yeah. Um, it's a little different trying to cover all those guys man to man as opposed to, yeah, we can double up Drake and let's see if Taj Washington or uh Gary Bryan or whatever can do something, yeah. So I could see them going with more of a, a man coverage, but they sort of fold things over to Drake London's side of the field, him, yeah. yeah, bracket, whatever you want to do. Um, I could see that happening because they, they seem to like to do that. But that's going to be something that will be, you know, fun to watch. I also want to watch Utah's offensive line has been pretty terrible. Like, really? They've been, yeah. Like, USC has eight sacks on the season Yeah. in five games. All of them have come in two of those games. Yeah. So that's uh, – can they get after the quarterback? Can they set the edge like Dante Williams? I, I think he was talking about that today. Uh, or was it him? He was talking about a Tuli Tui Pelotu coming off the edge, okay. which we saw more of against Colorado. And I thought he was really dynamic off of the edge and, and gave opportunities for other guys like Drake Jackson and Jake Lichtenstein to to come off the – to just make the plays. You know, I think that's the difference that we saw. Obviously, Colorado's not a good opponent, but we saw – multiple guys on the defensive line making plays so that someone was able to break through rather than it have it being the Drake Jackson show where he has to do it all on his own, you know? So yeah. I think that definitely helps. Yeah. So, I mean, I, can this defensive front do well against what Utah usually think you got some good offensive linemen. It's just not been, it's not been a very good offensive line performance for Utah so far this year. Uh, but you know, they've only played one conference opponent. Um, you know, they lost to BYU. They lost to San Diego State. Um, you know, that was a disappointing one, just, you know, to see there. But so we'll see. I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. USC's defensive front, Utah's offensive line, and then the DBs, which, you know, probably the strength of Utah's defense against Drake London and company, you know, and maybe the and company is going to make the determination of how successful this, you know, this team is. But if we're seeing a couple picks from Slovis, if they're, you know, Drake London has like nine catches on 15 targets for 89 yards and no touchdowns, like that's not good, you know? Yeah. Um, they're going to need some big numbers from from him, obviously. Do we know the health of, of Utah's DBs right now? Because I know they're coming off the bye week, but apparently they were a little banged up. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, talking to some of the Utah people, they don't get a lot of information from Kyle Whittingham okay. on that. So okay. I don't know um, if it might be out there. I, I haven't seen it. I've looked I have it around. Either, yeah. For, yeah. So they don't get a lot of that, but just knowing that. And I, I think when I, I forget which question I asked Dante, I asked them, no one was raising their hands. So I just asked them a bunch of questions, but he, uh, yeah. I mean, he talked about there's guys that were like in the showers, like a couple of weeks ago. And now like you, you know, you didn't see them out there and now, you know, on film and now you're going to see them. Yeah likely in this game. So I think they're going to come back healthy. Also, you know, another tragedy for Utah yeah. and, uh, you know, the, right, basically right off coming off the field after the, you know, party after the Washington state game. Um, I mean, another player shot and killed. It's just like, I mean, just senseless. And how does the team react That's to that? Yeah. Like you're, this is, you know, a very popular player on the team, you know, someone that, 
um, you know, was wearing, you know, Ty Jordan's number 22. They mm-hmm. went to Mesquite High School and just, you know, from Mesquite, Texas together. It's like, ugh. So tragic. Just um, awful. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, it's like, what, what are you going to do? We, we don't know. So, I mean, Utah could come out fired up because, you know, they're playing for their fallen comrade or they're like, I don't want to play football. I mean, you don't yeah. just don't know. Yeah, you, know? you really don't know. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Um, should we take a break and sure, do some questions or anything questions? else? Um, uh, last point. Okay. Lots of praise for Max Gibbs this week. We saw him on one oh, play yeah, yeah. against Colorado. Apparently, they misaligned him, so uh, he came back to the sideline looking uh, like disappointed in himself. And Todd Orlando made it a point to say, "Hey, no, you did everything you could. It was our fault for for aligning you uh, wrong." So apparently, he's going to get more run. People are super happy about what he's been doing so far. Love him as a person and and as a player transitioning. So that's just to me such a fascinating storyline. Just you know, he, he has so much power. You know, the, yeah. the problem with him during like scout team offensive line stuff is that got defensive defenders were just too quick for him. But his power on defensive line is just crazy. Like, when we first saw him do that, we were like, did he just do that rep? Like, so that's at least fun to watch. So we'll see how that evolves. I think it was last Tuesday. So we're the first part of practice, like the first 50 minutes we can be on the field. And. They're sort of like they do that first like fast period where they're like fastball, you know, yeah, the fastball period, and then like in front of me, and I'm not usually the first to notice something, but I I noticed this one first, and I'm like, I think I was talking to Shotgun or something. I'm like, hey, Max Gibbs is putting on a, a defensive jersey, you yeah. know, <laughs> and it was like, and and Shotgun's like, well, he's not going to fit that over. Like, you need a big jersey. He had a number sixty one, but he had to like take the other jersey off and puts it on. We're like, oh, okay, he's probably just going to be going and doing. Um, you know, the scout team drills because they need bodies inside. Like they were having Toa Lobodon play linebacker. They, they needed people to like fill in some of the defensive spots for the scout team. Yeah. So you kind of thought that was going to be. And I know, I think Chris put it in his ghost notes and we had to like take it out. Like we were, I guess you were asked like, hey, we don't mention this. So I, yeah, I asked because it, it was like, it seemed like a strategy thing and they're very quiet about those things. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, I don't know if anyone cared. He ends up, you know, getting in the game or whatever. Yeah. But so like, now we can talk about it. Yeah, like he's you seen it, but um, that was interesting. I was like, oh, okay. I I didn't realize it was going to be like, a, hey, we're going to use him. I thought it was just more of like, we're going to practice against him. He's not, you know, being like, you know, number twelve on the offensive line depth chart doesn't really help you. But yeah, um, he got. I mean, he's still got to like lose some weight and stuff. Obviously, it's you know yeah. he's working on his his body and everything. But um, I mean, that's uh that's cool to come into a college game like that and like you know play a role yeah for sure and it's a role that usc needs they don't just have that guy who can kind of just fill up some gaps um up front you know that's why partially why usc got gashed against oregon state so you just need a guy who can kind of sometimes he takes up like three three offensive guys yeah. <laughs> like you got a triple team so um i mean stanley ta'afu has done a great job just given the fact that usc's depth is so low but i think gibbs is an interesting solution and again something that dante williams was willing to look at and address to try and fix something, you know, make a change like that. So interesting. Interesting stuff. Uh, real quick, I've, uh, Aaron Lowe was the player from Utah, but yeah. uh, there was a someone was arrested uh, this week uh, okay. in, for the shooting. So um, charged with aggravated murder, attempted murder, and felony discharge of a firearm. So wow. um, yeah, and I think uh, Kyle Whittingham said no one's going to wear a number twenty-two. 
as long as he's there wow. at Utah. So, wow. um, you know, just it's just to, to lose 122 and then lose another. Is just I like, know. Ugh. Tragic. Um, awful. But OK, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and answer questions. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right. We're back here. I want some, you know, you guys are screwed up sometimes. Like, you say the wrong podcast or like back here on the podcast with champions like no we're not this is the uh television and family feud i, I mix up mix them up sometimes yeah yeah I, i've twice in the last three weeks i've put the you like parastyle podcast intro on the podcast of champions <laughs> oh no and then i get a bunch of tweets and like i and, saw them this week yeah and dave like so dave was like trash my co-host dave who covers ucla was talking some trash about like the USC marching band and they're, they're tweeting us like, Oh, is that because he did that? You, and the, you know, the, our intro has like the Georgia marching band in it and stuff. Um, playing it conquest. Was or, it was planned. I'm like, no, chess, it was chess. literally like, a, it depends. He's his schedules all over the place. So like sometimes we're recording in the morning and I got to get out of there. Like I do my like meals on wheels deal. And I'm like, and you're scrambling. And like, I'm, it's like same process of editing each yeah, show. Yeah. So like you just put the wrong intro in and, record the right stuff but yeah so anyway a little more how the sausage is made inside baseball uh what do you got for questions keely well we have an email from ray in pasadena who said the auditions are over coach fickle is the guy get the big money people to open up their wallets ray in pasadena hey ray thanks for that um so you check out the site on uscfootball.com gerard martinez a few days ago did a great um recruiting uh, insider piece on um, Luke Fickle, the Cincinnati head coach. So a lot of good stuff about his 
um, recruiting prowess and you know what he's done over his career and how you know what how that could translate to USC. Uh, Brady McCullough for the LA Times, our you know, friend of ours, a uh, not a friend, we're acquaintances. I like him. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Are you friends? Do you not like Brady? You... Is that what it is? <laughs> Ryan. I'm just kidding. That's Bra- not true. Brady's you a good just dude. Do all these things to cause trouble. I like to cause trouble. No, uh, he's a Mich- another Michigan man for the LA Times. Um, he did a really long uh, piece on Luke Fickle. Went out there, talked to the family and everything. And if you, you can check that out in the LA Times, but and. You know, I think we put stuff like this in the war room too, like talking to people at Cincinnati. I mean, he's got six kids, um, you know, a daughter that's like a junior in high school, a wife that loves their life there in Ohio. I mean, he just beat Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Like he might have too much success at Cincinnati. Like they're going into the Big 12. Um, for some people are like, oh, I don't want a, uh, you know, a group of five coach. I'm like, he's a legit coach, you know, yeah. toughness, you know, He's someone that I think USC would want. And I think his personality would actually work. He can be funny. Um, but it's not going to be easy just because Mike Bone hired him. If that's who they focus on and they want to get him, like it, I don't think it's a guarantee that he would come. I mean, there's, I mean there's, it's probably more likely he wouldn't than that he would just from the life you would have to leave, the lifestyle. And that's important to people. And, you know, you have six kids, like, you are rooted in that, yeah, yeah. In that community. Um, but yes, I think you can win a national. Like the, the whole point is like, why would James Franklin leave Penn State? You could probably win a national championship at Penn State. You, you, you can't at Cincinnati. Like you're not going to win a national championship. You can at USC. And it's an easier path at USC than Penn State. Only uh, When Penn State was independent, maybe it was different. But you're like the number three brand in your your conference, your division. You know, um, USC is the number one brand in two time zones. So there's a it's a difference. Um, the road to get there. If your aspirations are, I want to win a national title. I want to be the best college head coach in the country, and not necessarily those. Are, you know, you could be the best college head coach and not win a national championship. Is that important to, to Luke Fickle? It, Bray didn't get to talk to Luke all that much. And, you know, there's only a couple quotes. He's not going to say much about that stuff. Yeah. But it's going to come down to, do you want to win a national title and get a, make a good run at it? And Luke would have a better, you know, I mean, no chance where he is. Um, and he would have a, you know, a decent chance at USC. And um, But, yeah, I, I think he'd be an amazing candidate. I know people are going to poo-poo. The good thing is, there's a lot of good candidates, at least some. And I feel confident that Mike Bone, Brandon Sosna are going to get, go after the right guys, where USC in the past yep. wouldn't. They would go yep. after the wrong guys for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. If you they, listen to this podcast at all for the last like year, we've said that. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a situation where I would have no problem if they get turned down by three or four guys. Because those all three, four of those guys would be great freaking candidates, you know, and th- that's why they're going after him. Um, Luke Fickle, I think, would be great, but it might be way too hard to get him out of there if they feel like he's the best guy or number whatever it is. So yeah, everything I've heard about Fickle, just asking around even before there was an opening, was that he's just very Ohio. Like that's where he's been and that's where he's recruited. That's what he knows, and so I think the biggest hurdle would be. Can he and would he want to come out to California and, and repeat that success? Yeah. And that I don't think I've gotten a real answer for yet. He's personally not recruited the West Coast, but that you don't need that. 
Um, I mean, Cincinnati doesn't really do much on the West Coast. Um, you know, Gerard broke down where offers are from and, you know, who's been recruited and things like that. Um, but he's done a good job of getting Midwestern offensive linemen. And Gerard was talking about, hey, he comes here. He would probably go back and get Midwestern offensive linemen. Now, his specialty has been, you know, at Ohio State, you go get the four- and five-star guy. At, at Cincinnati, you're getting the guy Ohio State doesn't want. And you're developing them. And he's obviously doing a great job of that. I think you you can fix that where you get the four and five star guys, but do you do you weed out some of the maybe prima donnas that are overrated and you get the like high ranked three star guy, not because that's the only guy left, but because you think he's the James Laronitis, you know, he's the the tough football player. Sure. As opposed to, you know, he's the Max Williams who was a four star, but um he's that kind of guy. And I think Fickle's been really good at identifying those kind of guys. But. It's kind of like the Clay McGuire theory about how he was able to do more with less at Washington State as an offensive line coach. Kind of like that, where you've been in an arena where you have to do more with less. And so he'll be able to identify in a better market the better players rather than just like the overhyped players. Yeah. I think Mike Jinks kind of came in and was like, I never had running backs like this. Holy cow. Well, I don't even know what to do with these guys. Like. Remember, like when he came in, it was sort of like there's these big, strong, fast guys. Or like, yeah, he never had dudes like that. Like when you're like, so you, you gotta have to figure that out too, you know? Because I think Chip Kelly's screwing up by not. It, there's gonna be low hanging four and five star guys that you could get, and he sort of was like just not taking that approach and just like, no, I'm gonna I'll get all my kind of guys and stuff. And yeah, Chris Peterson was doing that. Washington's fine, but you're sitting in the hotbed of talent. You can still got to grab some of those guys that are really ranked high. Yeah. And Brett C. had a similar question from Knoxville, Tennessee. So just thanks for the, the input, but we're not going to read it for this week. Since we're on the topic of coaching hires, we got a question from, excuse me, sorry, I just lost it. Oh, from Brendan from Longhorn Country, who says, Ryan, I know you're high on James Franklin. I ask what you think about his struggles on the offensive side of the ball. Multiple coordinators, offensive styles, and now running the air raid. This sounds all too familiar to me. I understand how he got them to the Rose Bowl and won the Big Ten, but Helton also got his team to that Rose Bowl. Franklin is definitely a better head coach, but to me, he has an all too similar temperament to Helton. Also, that specific team for Penn State had Barkley and McSorley, who were beasts, but he hasn't been able to capture that or recruit at that level of talent consistently on a year-to-year basis. Your thoughts? Brendan from Longhorn Country. Hey, Brendan, he's got the number one recruiting class in the country right now. Um... Like I mentioned before, Vanderbilt was ranked at the end of the season three times. He coached there three years, and two of those times were when he coached there. I think if you're going to look at it, if you're like, oh, he's got a losing record against top 10 teams, it's like, okay, most people do. Like, the thing is, when you're at USC, like, that, you have to project, right? Like, you're not going to be playing Ohio State every year. You know, you're not playing Michigan and Iowa and stuff. It's going to be an easier road. It doesn't mean he's a slam dunk. I just think, I mean, you could do a, a hell of a lot worse than James Franklin. I think people that are poo-pooing him, I, I feel it's like mostly because of the stupid Rose Bowl. Like it's people are like, no, it's not that, but it is. Like he lost to Clay Helton. He has to be garbage, you know, and it's he's not. Um, I don't know. Mike Bone might not like James Franklin at all. Uh, he might love him. I think it's one of those things where you you're going to get USC fans are going to get a great Christmas present under the tree. You know, you wanted the Ralphie wanted the uh, the Daisy, you know, hundred shot, the, you know, BB gun or whatever. It's like everyone's BB gun is different, you know. But I think 
whoever they end up hiring, as long as they don't get turned down by like five or six dudes, um, you're gonna, it's going to be like Ralphie getting, you know, finding the, the, that package behind the desk and wrapping the, you know, unwrapping it and going, Oh my God. Like say it's Luke Fickle. Like USC fans will wake up one morning and go, Luke Fickle's USC's head coach. Like they hired someone who's really good at his job, you know, like, Oh, when has this happened? You're like, they hired someone other people wanted, you know, they hired James Franklin. They, they took a blue blood, one of the top 10 programs of all time. And they took his head coach, their head coach and brought him to USC. Like amazing. Like there's things like that. They're going to like, we've never seen something like that happen at USC before. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for, you know, a great hire. Nothing's guaranteed. Any one of those guys could fall flat on their face. They could have a worse record than Clay Hilton. Uh, I mean, we don't know, but at least you go out and try to get the guy that is projecting to be, you know, a, a great head coach and projecting to move programs wherever he's coming from and take over what a lot of people feel is a sleeping giant and turn it back into a giant. Yeah, makes sense. We had a question from, <clears throat> excuse me, Steve, USC class of 97, who said, hi, team. This question is for Keeley and Ryan. When I saw the report that USC boosters reached out to Anthony Lynn about the head coaching job, I nearly spit out my coffee. Do other schools' boosters suggest terrible, terrible coaching hire ideas, too, or is this unique to USC? If I see Jack Del Rio or Hugh Jackson's name floated by boosters, I will have to grab a Costco-sized bottle of Tums and head underground until this entire search is over. Do you have confidence that Mike Bone will be able to navigate all of the coaching hire advice, good or bad, that comes his way and make a good hire? Will he have the authority to make the hire he wants without uh, boosters or the board of trustees meddling? Thanks and fight on Steve, USC class of 97. So this is where I'm going to jump in and say, okay, this is, it's report season, quote unquote report season where people can just put out things that they've heard. And sometimes it's unsubstantiated. Yes. And this is one of those. So that whole Anthony Lynn business, I heard no. there was nothing to that. Like so. literally nothing. Yeah. Um, the Deion Sanders stuff, like, yeah, I mean, did Reggie Bush mention it on a broadcast? Is he an alumni of the school? Yes. Like, does that have any bearing on USC's actual coaching search? No. None. Yeah. Like, negative ghostwriter. None. Uh, there's a lot of this. And a little bird once told me, if it's coming from the NFL side, agents are heavily, heavily, yes. heavily involved. And they want their client, you know, this is sort of like, ooh, uh, you know. This it's, is open season. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's blood in the water. Like, when USC fires their coach in week two. So you have a blue blood college football program. You know, if Ed Orgeron gets the ax, LSU is open. Like it's open season for agents. They're like, I'm trying to get my client more money. Yeah. Um, and well, how do we do this now? James Franklin agent, to be fair, I think he's been really good at this, being able to get him raises and such. But this is one of those things where he's making like 8 million a year, you know, like, He's not going to, he's basically going to take a pay cut if he would go to USC because you're not going to get the cost of living increase yeah. to be get like, he's not going to be like a, you know, 13 million a year coach or something at USC. Yeah. At least I don't think so. Um, USC spends some money, but I don't think they, they'd go there. It's more about, hey, this is what we want to do. Um, would Anthony Lynn want to be the head coach at USC? Much uh, likely, I would think. Um, but no, I don't think there's any, you know, credence to what was going on there. So, just because you saw something on Twitter or, you know, I don't think uh, just like you make it as gospel. Like, oh, that's the truth. Like, no. Yeah. It's, it's we not. want you to be smart fans. So have your skepticism glasses on 
Um, it's very easy for the NFL side of things and the agent side of things to put out reports or put out like whispers of things and reporters will eat it up and, and send it out. So just be smart, be skeptical and, and just don't fall for everything. Not fall for everything, but you know. Yeah. And I would look at, you know, you were mentioned Jack Del Rio, Hugh Jackson, uh, Jeff Fisher, like, uh, David Woods mentions all these guys. It's funny when he goes off, he's like, USC's got to call Jack Del Rio and Jeff Fisher, obviously. And then, uh, I mean, Clancy Pendergast, he was a Super Bowl defensive coordinator, you know, like going through, he just goes through a list of what USC normally would hire, like the terrible candidates that USC would normally look at. I don't think you have to worry about that. I know people are got PTSD and they're shell shocked. I would say, I mean, I will, I don't know how the search is going to go, but I'd be willing to bet a significant amount of money that the person they hire is someone that other people wanted to hire at the time. Yeah. USC in the past would hire people that nobody would have hired. Um, Lynn Swan was not going to be hired by anybody for anything. And USC makes him the athletic director. Like, that's the kind of thing. If you want to say, like, well, Jack Del Rio would bring toughness and, like, okay, who would hire Jack Del Rio today to be the head coach anywhere at any level? Like, is anyone? Is anyone trying to, like, is Bowling Green going to call Jack Del Rio and say, hey, well, UConn, they have a head coach you go up and like, you know, we would look at Jack Del Rio. No. Why? Why would you look at a USC? The only reason is because he played football at USC. That's not the reason a coach is going yeah. to get hired this time around. Yeah. So kind of get that out of your mind that just because he was at USC once or he played football there does not mean if that's the only reason you're hiring the person, that's gone now. They're, they would not do that anymore. Which should be a relief for USC fans. Yes. Relief for me that I don't have to mention the stupidest stuff like <laughs> your, stop your, your hiring USC people. Like I don't have to say that to Mike Bone. I'm like, hey, Mike Bone, don't hire anyone that's ever been at USC. Because he's not going to hire someone just because they've been at USC like other people have. Yeah. There's a process. There's a whole plan. It's their, their strategy. And <laughs> we can't say that for prior hires. There was a strategy, but not a good one, I would say. <laughs> like I don't know if it was strategy. But strategy meaning they went to USC or they had some connection. That's yeah. I guess or that's like not a strategy. A friend of ours or like yeah. I was we tongue can in control cheek that saying person. strategy, but yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes. Strategy and air quotes. Air quotes indeed. Okay, we have a question that I feel like will ruffle some feathers Feather depending ruffling. on how we answer it. Okay. Um, I don't know who sent it, by the way. Uh, they say, hey, Parasol Podcast team. This question is for Keely and Ryan. Can we finally admit it to USC fans that the administration needs to stay away from Coach Meyer? Now, after that viral video, he literally had his chance to become such a better person and clean himself up f- from the personal baggage. Now he pretty much blew that opportunity. Um, yeah, so the Urban Meyer thing and uh, Stuart Mandel and um, Bruce Feldman talked about it on their podcast. Uh, if you haven't seen the viral, viral video, it's pretty crazy. Um, what's going on there. We didn't think that there was going to be an opportunity for urban Meyer to get hired just from the kind of scandals that USC had around. Now, this is a polarizing topic. I know on the message boards, there's people are just like, we want urban Meyer no matter what. Yeah. There's some people that were, and I'm, I was an advocate of like, dude, just hire the guy. Like he'll win championships. I'm off that now. Like, okay, I'm not, I, I don't think, I don't think they're going to hire him first of all, but I, if I was the AD, I wouldn't be pursuing it either. And I know there's some USC fans that are going to be pissed about that or whatever, but, um, just from uh, talking to enough people, there's a lot of just, 
there's a lot of weird stuff going on yeah. there. And I think the ceiling is high because you're talking national championships, like at multiple places. So that's why you would even be consider you would consider this. Uh, I think Brett McMurphy did a piece where he uh, interviewed or surveyed like, you know, most of the athletic directors in, in power five or division, you know, FBS and 85% of them wouldn't touch urban Meyer, you know? Um, and I think that's, what's going to be happening. I don't think USC was going to consider him anyway. No, this sort of makes it easier in one way though. It makes it harder because his days in Jacksonville appear to be very numbered. And if he's actually available, like when he was hired, like he was two games in, you're like, he's only two games in. But now it looks like, that could blow up and he could be gone, you know? But why is that attractive? Like, why is that? Because he's available. That's the only thing. It's like... Sure, but it's like, what is he coming off of? And how is that going to be any different from what USC's done? Yes, he has the track record, but it's a guy coming in from scandals. I mean, he hasn't won a game yet. And he's his team's losing and he's staying home and not flying with the team. Like, there's a lot of things there. This is I don't know if this is an insensitive uh, analogy, but probably. No, it's like. It's, I'm nervous, Ryan. <laughs> He's the prom queen that you wanted to date when you were in high school and you never got a chance to. And, uh, you know, she went on to great things and then, like, you know, ends up going to rehab and it's all like, you know, and just like just all out of sorts. And now it's like she comes out and, oh, I can date her now, but she's 40 and got three kids and um, there's all kinds of problems going on. Oh, my goodness. She's got a drug problems. Uh, this is, you know. But she's still, I remember her being the prom queen, you know, like I remember that and people remember, you know, winning the championships and, and all that stuff. He had a lot of problems at the the colleges he was at too. Yes. Um, this is, the point is he's pretty damaged goods. And I felt like even a few months ago, you know, before he took the Jacksonville job, he was doing a great job on the air on television and it, I felt like that was sort of a rehab for him. You know, like Steve Sarkeesian goes to Nick Saban or Lane Kiffin goes to Nick Saban. You kind of get rehabbed. I felt like Fox broadcast stuff, man, he was good. And I felt like that was sort of rehab for all the stuff. And you kind of forget some of the weird coaching stuff that was going on. But this is like all the wounds are reopened now. And it's like even worse. And just his first, like the list of things he's done there, you know, hiring the strength coach that was like, you know, had all those accusations again. I'm like, there were so many things that he had done. Um, I was in, you know, I was like, Hey, Urban Meyer, if you could get him, just get him. He'll win. And I am not there anymore. So I don't think the administration's there. We don't know exactly what they're thinking, but no. I know there's some fans that are, but I feel like a lot of the fans have got off that bandwagon too. He is messy. And I don't think this administration wants to voluntarily inherit mess. They inherited mess. Yes. And I don't think they want to just... create more. Yes. This is one you kind of got to get right, right? Not kind of got it. You, you have, have to get, to get it right. right. And if you, for one second, don't think that every, in the last two years, like every day, Mike Bone and Brandon Sosa put their head on the pillow, they were thinking about who the next head coach was going to be at USC. That's their legacy. Like getting rid of, you know, the UC Davis game, that's nice. You know, like, Hiring more support staff and, um, you know, all that stuff. Those are nice things. Those are singles we talked about. Yep. This is the chance for the dinger. This is the the bottom of the ninth home run the Dodgers hit last night to, yep. to advance yep. and, uh, and, and go on and play the, you know, the Giants. Like, this is the opportunity. 
you're not going to go after like the broken down rehab problem queen. You're going to try to get someone that's the up and coming or established. It's good. Like doesn't have the, 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 you know, the resume of an urban Meyer, the, all those positives on the resume and hopefully it doesn't have all those negatives either. So I think that's where we're at. Yes. I think we covered it. You got it. I'm going to move us along. Yes. We got an email from Eric in Duck Country who says, Ryan and Keely, you often talk about the low-hanging fruit. It's almost like he listens to this podcast. Were you listening to the live version of this? <laughs> yeah. Every time you said it, I was like, we have a question about this? In my mind. Uh, Bone and Sosna were able to get an early in their tenure. What low-hanging fruit could a new ho- head coach get? What's a tangible, easy win that would resonate with the fans before even stepping foot on the field? Thanks, Eric in Duck Country. So, I mean... <laughs> anything that has to do with toughness, right? Like anything that has to do with, you know, everyone's wearing a tie on the, whatever, like discipline, toughness, um, competitiveness, um, you know, any of that stuff is going to be long. And we've seen Dante Williams do some of those things. Yeah. There's been some that, that he could do the extra day of pads, you know, um, I think if the coach has a track record of toughness or something credible and comes in and says, look, I've seen what it's been for the last couple of years. We're going to change that. I know it's bad and needs to be better. Just acknowledging the facts, I think it's just going to be a win in itself. You know? Yeah. Like, it's so easy to win the presser, but I honestly think it's going to be super easy. Yeah. Because people are gonna be like, oh, my God, why wasn't USC doing that before? I mean, I'm not saying... I'm not saying we're great at our jobs, but there's some things that like you're around us enough. You see things and you're like, I told you guys, all you guys, when they finally got an actual athletic director, Mike Bone, I don't know how good he is. Say he's below average as an athletic director. I don't think he is. I think he's, he's above average, but let's say he's below average. He's still so much better than what they had. Like it was so bad that I told you what was going to happen is he would walk in and look around and go, what the hell is that? And why are you doing that? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I said those things and I have conversations with people that are like, and that's basically what happened. Like they came in and like, I can't believe this is happening or what, how could you have been doing that for years and still be successful? So many things like that. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of those with the head coach uh, when they come in and do these things. So yes, I think the low hanging fruit, just being like Keely said, just being honest, George Klyavkov got to talk to him hear him. I love his interviews. He's going to say like our distribution for the Pac-12 network is awful. He's going to give, you know, he'll not, he's not going to say everything. It was like, I like our content. I think we got good shows. I think we have a good product. There's so many, you know, Olympic sports that are doing well. There's a lot of things we can show. Our distribution's bad. The television contract is terrible. I can't fix it until it's up in 2024. And it's just sort of like not, well, I mean, but if people that we if they figured out how great those softball broadcasts are, they would sign up for Sling and get it. Like he's not giving you that bullshit. He's gonna say, "Yeah, it sucks. We need to be better in this, but I can't fix it until this year." And it's just a breath of breath of fresh air. Yeah. And I feel like what you were making the point of, you're gonna hear a head coach say that, like, I, "Our offensive line room is not good enough. Like, there's not. I need tougher guys in there. I need and." We're going to clean some some players out, and there's going to be you know I'm going to test guys, and there's going to some people that are going to pack it up and leave. Yeah, and I'm going to wish them the best, but this is what I want for my team. Yeah, 
there's going to be some stuff like that. And everyone's going to go, wow, you know, like, cool. You know, yeah. like, like honestly acknowledging the weaknesses of the program with the tone that, you know, you can fix it. Like, I think that has been missing or it's been like kind of bluffed a little bit, but just knowing, hey, these are the problems, but I can take us to point B. You know, I think that will win a lot of people over. It's hard to to say you can fix something if you don't admit it's broke. Yep. And if it was a Clay Helton thing, it was a decision he made. I mean, he's fired people, but it's sort of just like There's just so much, re- yeah, so much reluctance. And it's like, uh, you know, like you don't want to be saying your special teams coach is the best in the country like the week before you fire him, right? Like yeah. That doesn't make any sense, you know? Or the whole thing about you know, having Tim Drevno as an offensive line coach, even though he hasn't had experience in the air raid, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. And then they get rid of him. They're like, it's a problem. We got Clay McGuire. It's so much better now. It's like, well, you were just spending We the said last it was a problem before. Because yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. We told you this was a problem. Yeah. And like, yeah. We, I mean, again, I'm not saying we're great at our jobs, but there have been so many like high level bad decisions from the athletic department and the head coach that. People that are noobs or not noobs, but just like not division one college football players or coaches can see it and go, why do you have an offensive line coach who's like a power guy running the air raid? Like that's a simple, like common sense thing. And for whatever reason, that didn't, the logic for that didn't come into play. And so if we can make those calls and this isn't, hindsight stuff this was stuff that was said like from the very like the the moment he was like we're gonna move tim drevdo over from running backs to offensive line coach like that doesn't make any sense you got cliff kingsbury like you're running it like why would you do that like we said that instantly you know and you know two years later he's fired and they're like well we we want an air raid guy it's like yeah we said this two years ago like we don't know what the hell we're talking about and we said <laughs> this you know yeah I can definitely confirm we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> All right. I'm putting us on rapid fire. Even I'm though sorry. Tunnel I'm going vi- on not this television. Yeah. But we still have more questions to get into. Um, let's go to a question um, from Andrew in Brentwood who said, even if Jackson Dart can potentially return at the end of the season, can he still be a red or blue shirt to maintain an extra year of eligibility? So blue shirt is actually prior to him getting on yeah, campus. Yeah, there's no blue shirt. Yeah. No. Um, and technically he can still redshirt if he he's already played in one game so three more games and then after that his eligibility is burned yeah so he could redshirt uh just depends on you know what you do and it's it, you know we got one snap out of miller moss now you have like kind of two backups so like if they wanted to get one backup or another and if they maybe they blow out five teams you could put if dark comes back you could put him for a couple games you could put moss in a couple games if you want to uh, although no one came in for the uh, Colorado Colorado game, yeah, but. which I thought was a little a little odd, yeah. Um, but I guess if you want to save that that eligibility for Miller Moss, you it makes sense. It might be an, like for that that might be the case where they think they're going to get Dart back and he would just not redshirt, you know? Yeah, but who knows? We got a question from Caroline who said, "Will Brew McCoy be playing for USC this year?" So the latest is what we've said continually. It's still under investigation for USC in the title nine office. Um, that's something where until that takes place and is finished, then there won't be any movement as far as Brew McCoy on the football team. And yeah. even then USD, USC still has to make the determination, the football program, if they still want him back on the team after the investigation is concluded. So given the precedent we've seen from these things before, I would say no, I would agree with you. And, uh, I know it's rapid fire, but quick, Keely. Yes. Would USC be having these like 
problems trying to find a number two guy if Brew McCoy was playing. Like him not being in there, is that significant? Yeah. I mean, we said that we said that going forward uh, when it first happened. I mean, he emerged in 2020 as kind of the second guy when Gary Bryant was was in and out health wise. So, yeah, I mean, that is an issue. But I mean, that's not USC's fault. No, not at all. Um, and I wouldn't say he's there was a lot of guys were like, there's talented guys like oh, Joseph Manjack. He's great. Like all these dudes, but no one's really sort of stepped up. Like Gary Bryant's got touchdowns the last three games. Right. But yeah. No one stepped up and been the number two. I think I'm not saying McCoy would be guaranteed to be a number two, but he would have had the best shot to be like more of, you know, I guess have the trust of Keen Slovis earlier on. Yeah. It's definitely a loss for USC in that sense, but we said that from the start. We got a question from Patrick who said, Hi, you mentioned last week that Dante Williams found out that he was going to be the interim coach shortly before the 2 p.m. team meeting last Monday. Uh, This is from a couple weeks ago. Did Bone talk to Todd Orlando or Graham Harrell to let them know they wouldn't be the interim? Are you allowed to say no to being the interim, or is that something that just wouldn't happen due to the competitive nature of being a coach at this level? I'm not ever going to be a part of hiring and firing uh, college football coaches so i'm curious about any sort of insight you might have into how the sausage sausage gets made thanks and fight on patrick so my understanding was that when dante williams was given the associate head coach promotion between i believe it was 2020 and 2021 um it came with the understanding that if there were to be a change dante would get the promotion oh um that's that's my understanding but I do think that not everyone on the, the staff was aware of that. So I think there's a little bit of tension in the beginning because of that. Um, but, I mean, I think, like we said, USC really wanted to keep it under wraps and make sure that the players heard first from them rather than media reports. And so in order to do that, the only people that knew prior to informing the players were Helton and, uh, excuse me, Dante Williams. So, no, I don't think they yeah, were Graham informed. Yeah, didn't know and Todd Orlando didn't know. Yeah, yeah I don't think they were informed. So yeah, I think they all found out like about the same time. But yeah, they I, wanted Dante to know, obviously, like, hey, do you want that? Like, and as far as saying no, like, I mean, I guess you could. I don't know why you would. It's just, it's kind of like a it's obviously a resume builder. Like, if you especially he hasn't been a coordinator before, so if you can put on your resume, hey, I was the interim head coach for ten games at least for USC, helps you out. No, yeah, yeah like I mean, you're you're flying from New York to L.A. and you're a coach in a middle seat, and they're like. You went first class. It's just to the end of the flight. Okay. Like I mean, like, like why would you not do that? That's you know? so like, good. I actually like that analogy. Well done. Well done. Um, we got a question from Rick in La Mirada who said, "Curious as to the head coach, did the Oregon State loss hurt Dante or hurt USC's search more? How many recruits are watching, thanking themselves for choosing another school, and how bad does it hurt as first signing for the first signing day isn't far away?" Last thing you want to hear is the transfer portal for few elites that think they made the unwise choice. What can fix this? Every facet of play seems to be step forward and three steps back. Sorry for the long question. I just want to fight on. Stay healthy and safe, Rick in La Mirada. Rick, I don't think it's a long question. It's a series of short questions. Like It's like, one of the shorts this, we got. This, this, <laughs> this, yeah. Um, that's true. We got a lot, a lot of long ones. Uh, it, I don't think you have to worry about the recruiting class and all that kind of stuff. The most important thing is hiring the head coach. Like if you're going to hire a coach because of the recruiting class, that's you're doing the wrong thing. They're not going to focus on that. Now you would like to get something. They know the timeline. You would like to get someone as early as possible, but if they have to wait a little longer to get the right guy that they would, they would do that, you know? Um, and if you can make some sort of announcement before the person comes on, 
Uh, having Dante Williams there to keep the recruiting class together, all that stuff I think is is helpful. But I, I wouldn't worry too much about that, Rick. It's the number one thing, the number two thing, the number three thing, the number four thing is hiring the right head coach. That's that's what the focus should be. Yep. We got a question from Steve in San Diego, and I'm going to paraphrase his question. Basically, he expressed doubt about USC's training staff, the medical staff, and we've mentioned it before, I think even at the start of this podcast, about you know the issues with Port Augustine and Solomon Tulial Pupu. And he said he thinks it'll take longer than what is expected for Jackson Dart to return based on the fact that USC's medical staff has a, a iffy history. I mean, I am no medical expert on some of the, I mean, no, I, like, we are not. We don't know. Like, I don't know how long it's going to take, but no. we're seeing, like, we saw him fairly quickly walking around. Like, if you didn't know he was hurt, he looked fine. Now, he wasn't going to be able to plant stuff. I mean, he still had a little bit of gimp in the walk. Yeah, but it was like, you know, for the most part, like, if you, it looked like he could have banged his toe for for all we knew. Um, he's put pads on now, so we'll see. I mean, we're, I think we're going to know a lot more after the bye week and come out and see that first practice for Notre Dame. Is he out there in full pads? Is he practicing? Uh, but I wouldn't worry too much, Steve. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, he's the backup quarterback still, so yeah. And maybe you want him to play, but uh, this is sort of like those things. Like he got hurt. It's all about just you. Just got to take your time, no matter what. Now. Mm-hmm. We had uh, two emails, one before the Oregon State uh, loss and after from Dan, class of 1962. So the first one before the Oregon State loss, he was saying, hey, let's give Dante Williams a chance. And then the second one, he said, I'm sorry for being too optimistic and saying giving giving Dante Williams a chance. So he wanted to know, is that still um, an option or do you just need a clean house? And we got multiple questions addressing that. So I'm kind of all combining them into one. Really? D- Dan? Like, no, you got a clean house. Like, oh, sorry. No, Dan specifically said, Ryan, you were so right about the complete house cleaning and replacement with a proven quality head coach that is needed. Oh, okay. But someone else wanted to know. I combined them. My bad. Yeah, no no problem. That's fine. Um, Yeah, there's there's way too much overreaction to some of this stuff. Or like, they beat Washington State. Like, Dante Williams should get a chance. Like, I mean, I like Dante Williams, but I was saying, no, he shouldn't. Like, he's never been a head coach before. And then you were like, well, what if, yeah, what if he wins all his games and like wins the national championship? Sure, give him the head coaching job. That ain't going to happen. He lost the, the next week. You that, know? That's why we said pause, like get yeah. to this problem when we get there. Right. It's, it, USC's done this before. Don't make the same mistake again. Don't hire the guy that you like because you know him and he's there. Like that's what you like about Dante Williams. Now, Dante Williams, to his credit, is a much more accomplished assistant coach than Clay Helton was. Clay Helton wasn't the play calling offensive coordinator. Clay Helton wasn't a great quarterback coach by all measure. He wasn't like a, he was fine. He seemed to be fine at all those things. But when you're going to hire like your offensive coordinator, you want it to be Lincoln Riley. You want it to be one of the best offensive coordinators of the country that nobody can stop their offense. Like that wasn't Clay Helton. Um, Dante Williams, you know, you can argue how good of a cornerbacks coach or whatever he is, but he's clearly an elite recruiter. Like he does something extremely well, which is, Better than you could say. Clay Helton's thing he did extremely well was not, you know, bring scandals to university, which I guess that was something good because USC needed that. But Dante Williams at least has something elite, you know, like sometimes you play, you're playing a team and you're like, ah, you know, defense is not that good. They're especially not good, but, and, you know, they can't really run the ball. They're an elite passing team, man. They're top five in the country at passing. Like they do something better than most. And Dante Williams recruits 
better than most. So he at least has that feather in his cap, but that's not enough to become the head coach at USC right now. They have to get someone who's been there and done that. Not an offensive coordinator from the NFL. I, none of that stuff. Get a proven head coach. That's my thought. Yes. Moving us along. Yeah. Alex in Chicago wanted to know, based on what you just said, too, his recruiting uh, ability, if USC hires a new head coach out of the season, can Dante Williams stay at USC? Could that create a divide, a divided loyalty between players? Would the new coach have to get rid of Dante Williams to establish his own authority over the program? Would love to hear your thoughts and insights. I think if you hire the next head coach at USC, it's going to be an alpha. It's going to be someone, and you haven't seen that at USC really since Pete Carroll. It's going to be so. Do you think Pete Carroll would have cared if? You know, Ed Orgeron, people were loyal to Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron was a great recruiter. He kept them. They're going to be loyal to the program. They're going to be loyal to Pete. Pete Carroll does not worry about, oh, the, the, the player's going to follow Ed Orgeron and not me. Because Pete Carroll's like, I'm the freaking head coach, and I'm going to run this show. And whoever the head coach is going to come in and say the same damn thing. And if he's like, I think Dante Williams fits on my staff, every player in the locker room loves Dante Williams. He's not going to bother the new head coach. Like, that's not going to be a thing. If it is then you got the wrong guy. Like if you're worried about you're like, well, that guy's going to be loyal to me or he's going to be like, no, that's stupid stuff. And so, no, I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. Alrighty. We have one last question. Okay. And it's from Don. Um, he had, he sent in multiple questions about Corey Foreman. So he wanted to know why isn't Corey Foreman playing more? And he said, during the recruiting period, people made it sound like Corey was ready for the NFL. What are you seeing in practice that would make you not want to play him. USC has a terrible D-line and Corey can't be a starter. What gives Don? So that's the thing. Corey hasn't been practicing consistently or wasn't in the beginning of the season. And they were talking about injury issues, mental toughness issues, playbook issues, all of the above a little bit. So that's what basically if you if you read between the lines of what uh, Todd Orlando and Vic Soto say in their their uh, post-practice media availability, they're basically saying they need consistency from him. They need him to practice. And that's kind of the, the, the how things are going under Dante Williams is you got to practice and you got to pr- practice consistently in order to get that shot at playing time. And Corey is playing. He got a good, good amount against Colorado, yeah. but um, I don't think it's been the plug and play that people expected him to be um, right off the bat. So five-star players, fans, gravitate towards them especially when usc doesn't have as many of them now he looks the part he's a stud he's got a higher ceiling than most people on the team that doesn't mean he's plug and play and he can just go in there and be an every down defensive end and he's just not right now and some of that's just you know when we saw george farmer come in five-star receiver from sarah and marquise lee in the same class George Farmer was the more established player, you know, but he had a harder time transitioning to college. And there's different rules. There's different aspects of what's going on. Marquise Lee had a pretty rough, you know, childhood. And just, he seemed to just, he needed that kind of structure that you got in college and and the extra freedom and all that. Like, he thrived as soon as he got to USC. Um, And that's just, you know, part of it. Like, you got to figure it out. It's a whole different lifestyle, high school to college. Um, there's different expectations upon you. Um, there's, you know, just there's, it's a lot different. And I, you feel like the fact that he's out there playing some Don, you shouldn't be discouraged by that. That's great that he's playing some, we've seen some guys have to come in and just redshirt and 
it takes a little bit longer. Just because he's not every down starting defensive end as soon as he walks on campus doesn't mean he's a bust or whatever. Like he's got to figure out him in college and they're expecting him to get out there and practice as, you know, as hard as everybody else. And if he's not doing that right now, or he's banged up and he can't practice as much, he's not going to play as much. And if he doesn't know the playbook as well, or can't be a, uh, you know, run stopping guy or you know, play on first and second down, he's more of a pass rusher. That's what they're going to use him as. And doesn't mean he's not going to get there. You're, Five games into his career, so I wouldn't worry too much. Yeah, I agree with what you said. All righty. Well, I guess it's going to wrap things up. How long did we go, Mr. Abraham? This is an hour and 26-minute mark. Woo! This is a lot. I, I had am, some talkings going on. Yeah, we well, both did. You did at the beginning. I, yeah, we took turns. And I sort of Podcasting duo. That's what we do. We do a little bit of that. I know. I thought, oh, I'll have plenty of time to get ready for Tunnel Vision. Not as much time as I was Ooh, thinking. yeah. Okay. I still got to do that. So much talking. But, uh, yeah, hope you guys all enjoyed the show. And uh, thanks for the reviews. Thanks for the questions. Uh, really appreciate you guys writing in and, and all that. Sticking around. You know, sticking around. It's fun. Uh, hope you guys have fun with this. We like hearing from you guys. We do. Sure. Hope you like the advanced stats and all of that. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get back to you guys soon. Hopefully not late. Or early Sunday morning on a if I'm doing a podcast early Sunday Stop morning. Stop jinxing us, Ryan. You don't have to do that. Or you're well, you're you're up doing. Well, no, I'm just saying. I, I maybe just you're summoning the emergency podcast. Is all I'm saying. It would be cool. Like I did a third. No, oh, it would be goodness. cool. I don't want to do that. People are like, <sighs> here we like go. Like up at four in the morning. Like yeah, I know. Whatever. Uh, okay. Well, hope they guys see you at the tailgate. Enjoy the game if you're at the Coliseum or uh, whatever. Oh, real quick, you do have to. Uh, if you're gonna be at the Coliseum, you need. Proof of vaccination or uh, yes. negative COVID test within 72 hours. So that's a that's a change. That's an LA County thing for mass gatherings. Um, so yeah, so make sure you do that if uh, you go into the game. That's something different. I know people were talking about on the boards, but hopefully if you're coming, come by the tailgate. Uh, we posted all that on the Peristyle. It's a pin post on uscfootball.com. But that's Keely Or. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in, and hope you enjoy the show. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.